Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, everybody, my name is Jared Lanza. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church, and uh, I love to be able to bring you what I believe is a powerful message. Uh, if you're joining us on the podcast, thank you so much for taking time out of your week to listen to this message. Uh, we are finishing up the Blessed Life message series today. We have spent the month of March just talking about this concept of blessing, this idea of that that it's more than just material. It's this idea that the blessing of God means that when we are in alignment with his will, with his design for our life, that he has no choice. I mean, his word says that he will bless us. And blessing doesn't mean like we're just going to get money. What blessing means is that God works on our behalf, giving us favor in our life, in our circumstances, in our relationships. He takes care of us. He goes before us as we are aligned with him. That's what the blessed life is. So we've been exploring different ways that we can see that blessed life. And we began the month with the generous heart. The key to a blessed life is a generous heart. And we're going to talk a little bit more about generosity today, but from a different perspective. Then we talked about the blessed test. And we asked a very difficult and challenging question. The question was, am I going to trust money and love money, or am I going to trust and love God? And that's a hard one. I mean, any, most of us would say, well, I'm going to certainly trust God. But when we really get down to it, most of us, many of us have a struggle in our hearts with, with the things that we really, truly place our trust in. And we, we knew that God was, was asking us to put our trust into him. And last week, we talked about a generous eye. And we understand that we have been blessed, not just so that we can have more, but that we can bless other people. God blesses us with things so that we can take that and turn it around to be a blessing in other people's lives. Well, today we're going to go a little bit of a different thing. We're going to put a cap on our series, and we're going to talk about the power of serving, the power of, of using our hands and our feet to be able to do with what God has asked us to do and how it can lead us into the path of blessing the power and the heart to serve. And I want us to, to, to read a passage of Scripture. We're going to kind of camp out in this, this story that some of you may be familiar with, but some of you may actually have never heard this before. John chapter 13. If you would open your Bibles or turn on your tablets or your smartphones and open up your Bible app, I encourage you to get the Bible app and read your Bible from it every day. It's so easy and it's a great convenient access. We have the, the uh, verses on the screen here as well, and inside your program we have it as well. John chapter 13 Verses 1 through 16. Let's read this story. This is what it says. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I think that's a beautiful statement that Jesus finished what he started. He loved them to the end. Verse 2 says, The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was now returning to God. So here's where it gets real. Verse 4. So he got up from the table, from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them, around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I mean, can you almost, you can almost see the, the embarrassment. Like, my master, my teacher is going to do this to me? 
And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And then Peter, still in this mindset, says, no, you will never wash my feet, Jesus. And then Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. This is, this is a powerful, powerful moment where Jesus is, is, is actually foreshadowing what needs to happen for us to be able to have new life in him. He's not just talking in that moment about, about washing someone's feet. He's saying, unless I wash your entirety, your soul, you will have no part in what, what I've come to do. And in that moment, something happened inside of Peter. And then verse 9, it says, Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Like he understood Jesus was saying there's something deeper here, and I want all of it. Verse 10, Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, and that he put on his clothes and returned to his place, and he asked this question, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, and nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And this is the key right here, verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. There's that word again, blessed. I think so often the word blessed is distorted in our, in our culture, and even modern Christianity, that, that we feel as though the word blessing means that, like, if I'm blessed, it means I'm rich or that I've, I've got a ton of stuff. And that's not what Jesus is saying. The concept of blessing is being in the favor and in the right place of God. And so when, so when Jesus says, now that I have told you these things, you will be blessed when you do them. What he's saying is, if you follow in my footsteps, you will find favor in your life. You will have the blessing, the smile of God on your face and on your life. You will see that your life has a different, a different oomph in its step, that you will be more effective in the things that you put your hands to because you're within the will and the alignment of God. And he's telling us this. But there's a couple initial insights for John 13 that I, that I just pulled as I reading. So just some thoughts that popped into my head. The first thing is that Jesus very clearly draws a distinction between knowing something and doing something. I mean, he goes through this whole process, and then at the very end, after washing these feet, he then says, well, that's great. Now that you guys understand the principle, let's go eat dinner. No, he says to them, if you will do what I have said, you will be blessed. So Jesus draws a distinction, and this goes for everything in Scripture. That we understand that, that when, we're, when we're reading God's word, if it speaks to our heart, that it's more than just knowledge. Jesus is saying that you should do something with the knowledge that you have been given. So he draws a conclusion there to separate the difference between knowing and doing. But we also learn that serving leads to the path of blessing because it told us that. Jesus very specifically said, if you do these things, you will have blessing in your life. So not only for the first three weeks have we talked about generosity in our heart and talked about finances and talked about tithing and being willing to give and sacrifice and those types of things, Jesus is also drawing a parallel that blessing also comes from a place of being willing to give not just our money, 
but also from our, our time, our ability to, to give him everything that we have, that serving other people is, unlocks the path of blessing in our life. And so some lessons here is, is one thing that Jesus taught was awareness, an awareness. And the context of this story is interesting because what was happening is that these guys were actually about to go into a dinner, the last dinner they were ever going to have with Jesus. Coincidentally, this dinner that they're having was the same one that the communion elements that we celebrate at the end of the service comes from. So this is right before Jesus was betrayed in the garden. This is right before Jesus was, was led to the, to the Roman guards and, and to, before Pontius Pilate and sentenced to death. Okay, so if we have a context of what's happening here is that this, this meal was a Thursday, all right? So for, for those of you who guys who know, today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday comes from the story in Scripture where Jesus entered Jerusalem the week before he was crucified, okay? If you grew up in, in a, maybe in a, in a Catholic church or, or in any types of maybe more traditional elements, you would be familiar with the concept of Holy Week. It is a celebration and, and sort of remembrance of the, the walk that Jesus made to the cross and ultimately to the resurrection, which we celebrate next Sunday in Easter. So, so this is Thursday, okay? So this coming Thursday is in that, in that picture is what we're talking about this dinner. And what had been happening up to this point is that Jesus' disciples have been spending a whole lot of time with him. They've walked with him. They've followed him everywhere. And this is after Jesus sent them out. Jesus sent them out in twos to pray for the sick and to heal the sick and to cast out demons. They've started to see at this point that what Jesus has said to them is not only applicable for people in theory, but is also applied in life. And that they're starting to be able to be used by God in powerful ways. But what happens whenever, whenever we begin to, begin to have power in our lives? We, then our sinful nature creeps in, right? And we begin to think, well, I was able to hear three people and that person only healed two. Oh, I cast out five demons, but, but John over here was only able to cast out three. And you begin to compare yourselves. And the Bible actually tells us that they began to fight with each other, that they begin to kind of compete and be jealous of each other. We actually had a couple disciples' mom come over to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, after uh, you, know, you reach your glory, can one of my sons sit at, your, at the next, the right side of your throne? Like, what, what gall, what audacity a mom has. I mean, my mom loves me and would might do the same thing. But, but like, what, what person would, would ask the Savior of the entire world if, if he could sit right next to Jesus in, in the presence of these other guys? So, like, they're all there. It's not like he was, like, quiet. They were like, let me take you into this back room. Like, they came over and said, Hey, Jesus, we really want to we wanna be the kind of the number one disciples, right? So this is the context that we see. They've kind of been backbiting each other. They're frustrated with each other. And I don't know, does this sound surprising to you? Like, we see this in our own lives. It's not like as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that all of a sudden we are, you know, perfect individuals that never fight or never argue or never have frustration with each other or even in church, right? This is part of life. And this is the situation that, that we find, that Jesus walks into this room to have this last dinner, the last supper, this special meal. And Jesus is aware of all of this. And every one of the disciples, when they walked in, passed by the basin of water that was sitting there. They passed by the towel that was sitting there, thinking, oh, well, some servant will take care of that. Because in the custom of the day, when you would sit down to dinner, a servant, a slave, or someone who was hired by the host 
or maybe even the host sometimes, but usually a servant, would come in and would wash the feet of each of the individuals who were there for that dinner. I mean, because they don't walk around in boots like this. They walk around in sandals. It's dirty. It's dusty. There's animal, you know, stuff all over the, 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 the roads. So when they would come into homes, it was a custom of washing their feet, and usually a servant would do that. But in this case, they're all their buddies. They're all hanging out with their friends, and they're thinking nothing of it. Every single one of them walk by the basin. Every one of them walks by the, 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 the servant's area and doesn't think anything of it. But Jesus, knowing in this exact moment the context of what's happening, what was about to happen, he knew that they were fighting, that they had arguments with each other. He knew all of this, and he says, I'm going to do something about it. Jesus had an awareness in this moment. The second thing that he was teaching us in this was timing. Timing. This is important to understand because you need to know right now what's happening. This dinner, right after this dinner, some significant events in history were about to take place that were going to change humanity forever. Our lives have been changed because of what happened right after this dinner. So this is the last time that Jesus was able to talk to his disciples and really give them teaching. They had spent years with him, and now he's saying, okay, we're, at, we're in the two-minute warning now, guys, and now I'm going to tell you the most important things that you need to know. And what does he choose to say to them? Of all the things that he could possibly teach them, he chooses to teach them to serve other people. The timing of it is striking to me. To show them physically and to set the example for every one of his disciples moving forward. Jesus' timing shows his significance. I want to share some personal lessons that I've learned about serving. We'll kind of call this the path to blessing. If you want to, to move into this place of God's blessing in your life and you understand, okay, Jesus said that if we do this, so if I choose to serve other people in my heart, if I choose to serve, that that will lead to blessing. If I believe that, here are some things that I have learned about blessing. First of all, number one, the path to blessing begins in the heart. If you don't care about something, you're just not going to do it. And that's both publicly and privately. If you don't care at home, you're not going to do the dishes. If you, don't, if you don't clean your room, you know, at home because you don't care about it, you're not going to do it at church, you're not going to do it at work. Like, I learned this lesson personally in the first half of my marriage, that I realized that I wasn't truly giving the care that was needed for my wife or for our home, and I was pretty much refusing to do the dishes on, a, on, a, on after dinner. And this is, just, this is just something that Heather and I have talked about, my wife Heather and I, and this is just a personal example of it, but I just, I just wasn't in that place in my heart. But you know what's interesting is that I wasn't in a place to do dishes at home because I didn't care enough to like really go out of my way to do something that wasn't for me, it also showed up in public. There were other little areas that I just didn't care about and didn't give attention to. So if you don't, if you don't have the heart to serve, if you don't have the heart in, for what Jesus is telling us, if you don't care about the little things or these things in your heart in private, you're certainly not going to do them in public. It begins in the heart. The second thing I learned is that I need to prioritize what God cares about in serving. The path to blessing means prioritizing what God cares about. If all I do is serve in the things that I like, they may not align with what God has priority over. And so God's priorities are God's house, right? Like 
this is his house. Like we have built this space to say, Lord, would you come here and visit with us on a Sunday? And God cares about this place. All throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God has always cared about where his people are and creating a sacred space. And if you care about this place, if you care about serving in this place and, and giving your best to what God has, has, has raised up so that other people can know him, so that this can be the place where he is known, and the excellency of it, of, of making it beautiful, making it welcoming for people and for him. If we care about that, God will bless us. If we, not just God's house, but God's people. If we serve other people who are God's people, we're not talking about strangers. We're talking about people who are his. Those are the people who follow Jesus, who are adopted into the family. God's word clearly teaches that if we serve other people who are his, our brothers and our sisters, when they are in a time of need, in a place of needing something, and we reach out to help them, when we do these things, God's word says there will be blessing there because we are serving his people because he cares about his family. And he also cares about those who are far from him. When we serve people who don't know Jesus, we are aligning ourselves with his priorities, and the path to blessing goes through that space. When we align ourselves with his priorities. The path to blessing is also means serving in the insignificant because it develops or reveals our integrity. I have dreams one day of, of maybe being able to teach, you know, at a conference I would love to do that. I would love to speak at a conference because I feel like God's given me an ability and I'm not trying to like push myself up, but I'm saying, I just, I have a dream of doing that one day, of being able to speak to masses and share truths that I feel like God's put in my heart. But there's this element of that is significant. But if I am, if I am not willing to do the little things, how could God trust me? I mean, that sounds familiar, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you cannot be trusted with the little things, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? It doesn't just go for money, it goes for everything. And so, well, I remember when I was a youth pastor at the Vineyard Church in Cincinnati, um, my pastor, whenever someone would want to serve, he had a rule that everyone just started serving in the coffee ministry. Like, you had to, like, be willing to serve coffee in the cafe. And all the time, we would get people who would come to our church who would say, oh, I came from such and such church, and I was the, you know, the leader of this ministry. Or, hey, I went to Bible school, and I taught this thing, and I'm qualified to be a leader in your church. And he'd be like, that's awesome. We have a spot right over here for you. Could you hold this cup of coffee? Like, that's kind of like where he would lead. And you know what was interesting? is that some of these people, many of these people, who would come to our church, who had these credentials, you know, of like, of these things, they would say, oh, I, I, don't, I don't really want to do, I don't feel called to do that. And that would reveal something in the heart of that individual. When you have a willingness to do the insignificant things, it shows that you have integrity and that you will be trusted with the bigger things. Now, that doesn't mean that that person wasn't qualified to lead a ministry. It just means we want to see your heart. And I've learned that. And I've learned that even in my own ministry now as a pastor. If I can take care of the little things in my own life, if I read my Bible, if I spend time with Jesus, if I'm a good dad and I spend time with my kids or I, I take care of my wife, if I can pay my bills properly and take care of my money, if I can preach and put the time in every week to give a message that is from the heart and not just throw something together, then maybe, just maybe, God will begin over time to be able to give opportunities for me to grow to bigger things. And that grows, that happens in all of us. But if we don't have a willingness to serve in the insignificant, then perhaps that shows some 
some breakdown in the integrity in our lives. The fourth thing I've learned about blessing, the path to blessing and serving, is that the cause of Christ goes through serving. The cause of Christ goes through the heart of serving. Jesus said it in verse 16 or verse 17. He flat out just said to them, now that you know these things, if you do them, you will be blessed. And for the last 2,000 years, the heart and the cause of Jesus Christ has been through serving other people. Look at the most revered individuals in Christian history. People like Mother Teresa, right? Almost everybody knows the name Mother Teresa, even if they're not even a Christian, because they have heard about what she has done. She has been willing to give up everything and serve the least of these, as Jesus would say. And we revere her because of what she has done. When people go out of their way to serve other people, when they give everything that they have, Jesus is made famous because it gives us a platform to be able to tell what's happening. The cause of Christ goes through the heart of serving. So my question for you today is this. How is your heart to serve? How is your heart to serve? Is it, is it beating for the cause of Christ? Is it beating for what Jesus cares about? Is it beating for people, the people that Jesus loves? Is your heart just saying, I need to be involved and help other people? Let's look at what Jesus did in verse 4. And we see several traits about the heart to serve. Let's read verse 4 real quick. It says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Here's some things, just four quick things that are going to help us to understand what the heart of a servant looks like. Modeled by Jesus. And I would encourage you, and I ask you that question is, what is your heart like? Is it beating for the cause of Christ? Let's, let's measure our hearts against what Jesus modeled, okay? The first trait of a heart to serve is a willingness to get involved. If you're taking notes, it's a willingness to get involved. So what do we see? We saw that Jesus got up from the table. We see that Jesus, in the context and his awareness of everything that was happening, as the master of this whole group, took it upon himself to get up and to do something. There was a time to sit at the table and to pray about things and to think about things and a time to rest, but there is also a time to get up and to serve. When someone comes to you and they say, I'm struggling to pay my bills, I don't know if all we should be doing is saying, hmm, I'll pray for you. Perhaps there's more that we could do. Perhaps if someone says, I, I don't have a car and I don't have a way to get to work this week, perhaps there's more that we could do instead of just speaking or perhaps leaving it to someone else. We have to have a willingness to get involved. We have to put legs to the love that we talk about, right? We talk about the love of Jesus. We talk about the hope that he gives. But you know the best way to be able to help people experience that love is to walk it out. It is to live it out. It is to put legs on the love that we have in our lives. Let's not just pray for people. Let's do something. An example of this is just, just this past week, a friend of ours, a dear friend of ours, contacted us and said, just to let you know, uh, our, our phone is being shut off, our cable is being shut off, and our electricity might even be shut off because we can't, we can't pay for it. And just wanted you to know it might be hard for it to get a hold of us. And we said, oh, man. So I wrote her back and I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'll pray for you. <laughs> and we did that. And I meant it genuinely. 
And then my wife and I began to talk and we said, there's more that we can do. And so we looked into our budget, into our bank account, and we, we found what we could give. And it was more than we had. But we said, you know what, we're going to be generous because the heart of generosity leads to blessing. Right? We looked for an eye, like last week, the generous eye. We're looking for ways to be able to be generous. And we said, we're going to do this. And we wrote a check to them. And it wasn't like, I didn't come up to them and say, hey, we wrote you a check so that we can honor what God is saying. Like, I didn't do any of those things. I didn't say, well, now I'm going to trust that God's going to give me this money back. I didn't do any of those things. I just put it in an envelope. And we said, hey, this is for you. We love you guys. I hope this helps. And that was it. And God has taken care of us. I can't say that anything directly has happened specifically, but I can just tell you that I know God's faithfulness is in our life. If there's something that you can do, get involved and do it. So the first trait of a heart to serve is a willingness to get involved. The second trait of a heart to serve is that we should see people beyond where they are through the grace and the mercy of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He didn't only get up. He actually stooped down to where they were at. He got on his hands and his knees. You see, these people, these disciples who were fighting, who were angry, who were jealous, who were competing with each other, Jesus didn't just see them as as frustrating children. He saw them as the ones who were going to carry the gospel of the Jesus Christ into the world and were going to change the world forever. Jesus knew that. He saw it in them. He stooped down to their level to come where they are. And for us, we need to do the same thing. It's hard for us because I think sometimes we get frustrated with people and their lack of courtesy or, their, or the way that they look or the way that they smell or, or, or the way that their lifestyle is. And we're not willing to go to them. We're not willing to stoop down into their life because we can't see beyond what we see. But we can begin to see, as a people of God, we can begin to see their potential, what God has for them. If we would stoop down, if we would come down to where they are. It's funny to me because Jesus knew that many of them were going to run away. Just that night, after their meal was over, they were going to go to the garden to pray. And then Judas was going to betray Jesus. And the mobs were going to come with swords and clubs and take Jesus away to be crucified. He knew In this moment, while he was washing their feet, that some of them were going to run away. He knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. He knew all of it, and yet he saw beyond that. We need to see beyond where people are so that we can, through the grace, and we can't do it ourselves. It's only through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ that we can see it. We believe in faith that God has better things in store for these people as we serve them. We need to stoop down to their situations so that we can let them know there is hope and a new beginning. Number three, the third trait for a heart of serving is that Jesus went low with a purpose to bring up. You see, Jesus was willing to humble himself and to go to the cross so that we could have new life. It wasn't just, I'm going to wash your feet for no reason. He was, had a point to it. And for us serving, whenever we serve, whether it be a church or whether it be our big hunt or the back-to-school bash or whether it be to give someone money to help them pay buy, buy groceries or electricity bill or whatever it might be, we go low not just so we can be there, but we go low so that we can lift people up and point them the way to Jesus. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was called Emmanuel. Do you know what the word Emmanuel means? If you listen to Christmas songs, you might, but it's called Emmanuel means God with us. 
Jesus is known as the God who is with us. He came from heaven to earth. He came down not just to say, hey, look, guys, I love you, but that he could pull us back up. So the heart of serving is not just being a willingness to get involved. It's not even a willingness just to go down. It's a willingness to stoop so that we can bring people up and give them hope. And when we serve, it's for a purpose. To bring, to bring people to Jesus. When we, when we kneel down and we get into their lives and their situations, we bring the light of Jesus with us. And it gives them a chance to see beyond their situations because they can't lift themselves up. So when we kneel down to them, when we lift them up, we're pulling them out of their circumstances in a little bit just so they can see the hope that is available to them that they oftentimes can't see because they just have it. They're just over, you know, their heads are underwater. So the heart to serve has a willingness to get involved. It sees people beyond where they are through the grace and mercy of Christ. It goes low to bring up. And finally, it has a willingness to get messy, to make a difference. You see, Jesus essentially handed them the towel. At this moment, Jesus was the one with the towel. He took the bowl. He put it in water. He washed their feet. And imagine what that towel looked like. They had just come from wherever. They were walking the streets of Jerusalem, the dirty, you know, sort of streets of animals and that were moving in and out. All of this just gets caked on them. I don't know about you, but I just walk into my backyard with my bare feet, and I walk back inside, and my feet are black, right? I mean, this is just what happens. So imagine this towel now that was, has water and has been washed on 12 different guys' feet. Stinky hobbit feet. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it was like for these guys, right? They didn't have, like, manicures and pedicures and all that stuff that some guys do. I don't do them, but some guys do. They didn't have any of that, and so it's all dirty. And then Jesus then turns around with his dirty towel and says, Here, this is yours. I'm giving it to you now to take it and to, to do what I have just done. What I have done for you, you now do also, and you will be blessed if you do. The towel represents what we should be like as disciples and what we should be about. It should not be about fighting. It should not be about competition with each other. It should be serving to reach people. It should be getting low to bring up. Jesus was willing to get messy to make a difference. And I believe that this lesson stuck with them and they never forgot it. Most of those disciples became apostles and went to their grave professing the name of Jesus, serving them through torture. They were murdered for the cause of Jesus Christ, but they were always willing to serve. There are countless stories in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament of the disciples who were in painful predicaments and yet were still worshiping, still praising the name of Jesus, but also always looking to be able to bring other people into the family. In the middle of their mess, in the middle of their frustration, in the middle of their pain, the mess of their lives, but also the mess of others. Jesus was willing to get down and dirty, and we should be willing too. The heart of a servant doesn't say, doesn't say well, I'm only going to stand on stage. The heart of the servant says, I'll vacuum the floors. The heart of a servant is a person who, who does what's asked, who does what's, what's needed without being asked. The person who serves, who has a heart for Jesus and the cause of Christ, is willing to go sit down with the homeless man on the side of the street and give them their lunch or buy them food. The heart of a servant and the cause of Christ is willing to go low in order to bring people up. And guys, hear me. I understand it is difficult. 
It is difficult when you see people who live lifestyles that are different than you. When you walk into people's homes that are vastly different than yours, believe me, I went on a missions trip when I was, in, uh, when I was the youth pastor at, at the Milford Vineyard in Cincinnati. We took our group to Chicago, and we went to the Cabrini Green Projects, if any of you have ever heard of it. It's actually the first official housing project in uh, the United States historically. And they were t- about to tear them down. And as the government only would do, the government was making all these individuals clean their homes and paint them and fix them up before they would tear them down to put them in a new house. So before they could leave their current tenement, they had to repaint it, they had to make it look nice and clean, and then the government would let them move into their new home. So we went on this mission trip with our youth ministry, and we went there, and guys, let me tell you the deplorable conditions in these homes. If you have ever been to some, I'm talking like below poverty line, I mean, there were, it, was, it was awful. You would walk into some of these places, they were nothing but cinder block walls, I mean, there were, there were no drywall, there was no plaster, it was all cinder block, unpainted cinder blocks, concrete floors. If they had a couch behind it, we pulled the couch out, there were old chicken bones on below, the, behind the, 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 the couches. There were cockroaches crawling on the walls. I mean, it was awful. And there were babies, there were children in these places. And let me tell you, it was the most uncomfortable place I have ever stepped into into my life. Because most of us, if none of us in this room, probably live in a situation like that. But in order to reach them, in order to love them, in order to tell them that we care about them, and that Jesus sees them in their situation and he has not abandoned them, in order for them to even hear what I was trying to tell them, I had to be willing to walk through the door I had to be willing to get on the floor. I had to be willing to clean up those chicken bones. I had to be willing to paint over the cockroaches. That's what I did. There's a cockroach, little mini ones. But, I mean, I had to be willing to get in there and get messy. And at the end of the day, I walked out of there. I had paint all over my hands, all over my pants. I was tired. I had sweat, right? But you know what? I got to tell people. We got to pray for them. We got to tell them about Jesus and let them know that this next place is going to be good for them. That wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't stepped down, if I hadn't gotten into a place of mess. And I'm not, I'm not, when I say the word step down, I'm not talking like I'm better than anybody. What we're talking about is some people's situations, some people's lifestyles, some people's problems are just, are just in a worse position. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? I'm not talking like better than other people. I'm saying that some people just live in conditions or in situations in their marriages and their homes or their financial situations that they just don't have what we have. And so it takes stooping to their space and bringing them up. That's the lesson that Jesus gives to us. That we have to be willing to be involved and to stoop down and to walk together through servanthood. There are people all around us who need to be served and to be valued. And Jesus set the example with his own life. If the worship team could come forward. Matthew 20, 28. We're going to close with this. Jesus flat out, if there was any question, well, does Jesus really want me to do this myself? He said, do what I did. And this is what he said in Matthew 20, 28. Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And this is what we're commanded to do ourselves in Philippians 2, 5 through 10. This is Paul, one of those apostles. In your relationships with one another, 
have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Okay, so what he's saying is God could have done anything he wanted, but he didn't want to make it his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee would bow. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.